Thank you for tuning into Sochcast. We hope you enjoy this uninterrupted listening experience. But before that, please do listen to these messages that come from those that support your favorite show. Raj Nayak's talk show Fridays Live features high-profile guests from various walks of life who engage in a free-flowing and inspiring chat with him. Good evening and welcome to Fridays Live with me Raj Nayak. This evening I have a very special guest. She is a very prominent face on Indian news channels, a journalist with a moral compass, somebody who's bold, courageous and a shining example of what a good journalist should be. Let me welcome our guest for today, ex-executive ed- editor of NDTV, Nidhi Rasda. Nidhi, thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me, Raj, and for that very flattering introduction. You know, I, I was trying to find words, but you know, uh, I can go on speaking about you. There's so much, uh, and I and I genuinely meant what I said. You know, it, it just came naturally. It was from the bottom thank of you, my heart. Very nice of you. Thank you, Raj. And yours has been one show that I. religiously religiously watch whenever i find the time thank i you. used to thank watch let me put it that way <laughs> <laughs> so nidhi i mean your journey has been fabulous and now you are you know uh, you quit ndtv i mean i know it's a it must have been an extremely extremely tough decision uh, and uh, so what what are you feeling because on one side there is excitement you're doing something completely new something completely different you're going to one of the top institutions in the world harvard and uh, and the other side so what do you feel sad excited happy how how would you describe your emotions at this stage well uh, that's a good question raj because uh, i yes i am i am excited i'm also very nervous uh, because like you said this is something new that i'm doing i've only known how to do one thing for the last 21 years since i've been working and that was journalism and uh, being a reporter and and then an anchor So for me this is a leap into the unknown it's a big risk that i'm taking but i figured that if i don't take a uh, a risk now if i don't seize the opportunity now at this point in my life uh, i i never will and of course it was not an easy decision to uh, decide to walk away from ndtv uh, especially at a time when you know i i was doing the prime time shows i was doing the flagship 9 o'clock show uh, and i you know had possibly everything that i wanted ndtv has always given me that and given me the best opportunities so uh, you know i think i think to take that risk and to walk away from that was not easy and ndtv is my family it is my home uh, it always will be uh, you you know you can leave ndtv but in some ways you might know this it doesn't leave you so Wait, i will tell me about it i can relate to it yeah yeah exactly so you know uh that 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 makes me sad at one level but uh, i'm going to now just close my eyes and jump into the deep end and see what happens no i'm sure you'll excel and i'm sure you'll do extremely well so was ndtv your first job or did you work before that i it actually was my first uh, proper job i did an internship before i joined ndtv with the associated press in delhi uh, which was 6 months during and during which the kargil uh, war had happened so uh, that was my internship but um, yes my first job was ndtv in fact i approached ndtv for an internship first but it was rejected i was told we don't take interns and i remind them of that every day to this day uh, i remind the person who told me aren't you glad they didn't take you as an intern maybe after that you would have moved somewhere else yeah i mean no i well everybody wanted to join ndtv then but it was funny how it worked out you know so um i'm i'm glad it worked out that day but but i was called back you know for a job interview 6 months later when they were interviewing some 10 people for a reporting position and two of us got hired so that's how it that's how it actually started but initially i was told to get lost <laughs> <laughs> so so uh before you joined edit tv uh, where, where did you grow up what did you do a little bit on your background rajdan well uh, i right rajdan yes. is yeah. Rajdanda Kashmiri Pandits uh, so that's the, I'm from Kashmir I was born in Delhi though uh, and uh, I spent mo- my childhood basically in England and in the US in London and New York which is where I grew up and uh, we moved back to India when I was about 13 years old which was very difficult and uh, a big life changing move and uh, I went to college uh, I we moved back to Delhi I went to college at Lady Shri Ram I joined IIMC uh, shortly after that uh, that's the Indian Institute of Mass Communication to do my 
radio and TV journalism postgraduate diploma, and then started working straight away. Uh, so that pretty much sums up the journey. So what took you abroad? I mean, uh, how come you were in the UK and the US? And because of my father, he's a he retired as a as a journalist a few years ago, and uh, he was with PTI, and he was uh, posted as their correspondent to London and to New York. So that's what uh, took me to these countries. So is he an influence uh, in your taking journalism as a career? I mean, because your father was a journalist. I think so. I think so. I mean, I was just very reluctant to join uh, the print media because I didn't want any comparisons with him. And uh, there is a kind of hero worship that goes on there. Daddy issues, as some would say. But uh, I, I wanted to sort of make my own path. And television was just coming up in a big way. You know, at that time, uh, it was the post-world this week time star news was there which was uh, you know ndtv was the production house uh, that was part of that and uh, it, it was an opportunity to do journalism but do it on a different platform so that you know i i sort of chart my own way and that that's how it began and yes he's obviously been a big big influence uh, throughout my life throughout my you know professional career and what about your mother and my my mother it was actually her idea and uh, for me to join television because I was very confused in college about what I wanted to do. Uh, I thought first maybe medicine. So I actually had science as my mainstream in school and I, and I did pretty well. But then, you know, kids changed their minds about a hundred times. I wasn't really sure. Then I knew I was interested in journalism of some kind, but she said, why don't you try television? Why don't you try broadcasting? And uh, it's new. It's something that might be different. And so she really has encouraged me and she's been I think the biggest support both professionally personally that I have had uh, all along. Are you the only child or you got brothers sisters? No no I, I have a brother he's two and a half years younger than me and he he's a, a partner with Deloitte so he chose a completely different career path and I think he would have been a good cricket journalist for sure because that's his obsession but uh, yeah there's there's my brother and me. Uh, so, who's who's favorite between your parents? <laughs> I can't say that. That's like asking a mother who's your favorite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, you joined Eddie TV, and uh, now I know the influence by John. What was your first big story as a reporter? My first big story actually was the hijacking of IC eight one four. And uh, that happened in December of 99. I had joined in September. And that was, of course, a huge story. And I was asked to cover the civil aviation ministry. I was like the person who just sat there from six in the morning till midnight every day with all the updates, etc. So that was really the first big, big story that uh, I covered. And uh, to, to the credit of my editors at NDTV, like Rajdeep, who was our political editor at the time, he also pretty much pushed me into political reporting straight away. He realized that I was interested in it. I was very scared. He made me go to parliament. I said, you're, you're crazy. I've never covered parliament before. I've just joined two months ago. Um, why are you making me do this? But, you know, he really encouraged. He, he's very he's a good editor, a reporter's editor. And, you know, sent me off there and said, no, you can do it. This is how you should do it. This is what you should say. And, uh, you know, that's how my interest in political reporting in particular grew. Uh, from there. So full credit to him really for that. Yeah, I, I, I remember 1999 you said, right? I mean, 1999, uh, I used to be with Star TV and I used to head ESPN Star Sports uh, Sales and Marketing and then I was moved in, it, it was in 1999, I was given a Star News as one of my portfolio and I remember the year we did rebranding and things like that. Experience Truth First, I still remember the campaign, uh, right. billboards right. and things like that. So almost 21 years, huh? 21 years. If, is it 21 yeah, years? Almost. 21, it'll be 21 years in September. In September, yeah. So what has changed in journalism in the last 21 years? What changes have you seen? Everything's changed. It was a very different time, Raj. Look, you you know, you remember that when, when I joined television at that time, firstly, we were the only news channel in the private space, actually. Uh, there wasn't that kind of cutthroat competition that you see now. Uh, you had a lot of time uh, to do your stories. You could work for some stories for like up to a week, long format stuff. 
you could travel there were there was money there was res- there were resources uh, all on your side and progressively things have i mean i feel sad for the way television journalism has decayed today uh, not ndtv which i'm very proud of and that you know that ndtv has stood its ground in some very difficult times and stood you know uh, solid as far as its own values and and basic foundation is concerned but it's it's not the same now i mean you have competition this this trp races has changed the complexion of news there's this constant need to get things on instantly uh now reporters don't get the kind of luxury of time that we used to get plus they're not just reporting they're doing their own camera work they're also writing for the web they're also doing stuff for social media some youtube something some facebook live some something on twitter so there's a lot of multitasking that's happening and uh i don't you know i i love journalism and i love news but these are very very challenging times to be a reporter and uh, in general i think the media environment in india has become a very difficult place to be in in the last few years and that's not just for tv that's the media environment in general but i think for in television it's you know it, it was not it was never easy to be in tv it was always hard work but i think that it's become physically very exhausting and mentally very exhausting in this day and age it it really has and uh, how would you cope with it because obviously you know there's a lot of pressures and pulls and things like that how would you i mean and it's a very stressful job right because uh, you have to take a position you have to have conviction in what you're saying and you do your fact checks and things like that and i'm sure that would have come from your father because earlier journalists used to verify facts from various sources before they put out a story now they put out a story first before verifying the facts and things have changed so tell me i mean uh, what do you do to keep yourself composed calm because one thing i've noticed in spite of everything you always have that smi- infectious smile the big smile smiling face yeah because i scream later no i'm joking uh no i mean, you you have to be at least com- composed as far as you can be on air but um it's it takes a toll uh because it's now it's actually 24/7 you're never switched off when you're on tv today and if if you're especially if you're in an editorial role like i was then it is constant and everything every little piece of news has become a big event which i have a problem with i don't like this format of news where earlier simple things that could be handled by your regular news anchors that didn't require sort of 10 discussions taking place over a period of you know a few hours in a day now it's all changed everything is urgent everything is big no matter how silly or small it may be so everything is an event and i think the problem with the television news today is a lot of it is that it's become about an event it's not journalism it's become very you know let who are the panelists we can get who are the panelists who will fight with each other who will disagree with each other so we very often i see the channels are not even making an effort to think of why they're calling a certain panelist on a program it's just to create a noise or to create drama or to you know uh, just 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 create that drama on air you're not really thinking about what's going into it so everything is like a, it's event management it seems a bit contrived to me now so i and and i think that's that's part of why i got a little disillusioned with how it had become and that's that is because of this whole competition that if x channel has you know its anchors top anchors anchoring for 10 hours a day on something that doesn't require them to do 10 hours a day then we must do the same you know so i think it's 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 it is exhausting to to me honestly the um, the way i would relax was to um i think just be with my dogs and switch off as much as i could when i was home but it's not easy i'm switched off right now which is great so a lot of herd mentality yeah. there's a lot of herd yeah. mentality and it always i was always intrigued you know i mean uh, even though i spent a lot of time in the news business but i was always intrigued uh, that at least nowadays that i see you have the same panelist over and over again i mean why wouldn't you want different viewpoints different opinions and bring different panelists but it's the same people coming in screaming and shouting and uh, i get it now and now i understand where you're coming from why you're saying that 
I think it's a lot of pressure on channels, Raj. You know, because if you're going to do like ten discussions in a day, spread over a, a whatever time band. then there is a very limited pool of people to choose from but i don't blame tv entirely for this i'll tell you this also even a channel like ndtv which everyone will come up and you know say you know you guys are fantastic you guys are the best and you know we don't you know watch the other guys and there's too much noise etc but when one would try to reach out to people who were you know sensible non political commentators people who write prolific uh, editorials in newspapers you know they'll thumb their nose at you and say that well i don't do tv so i i i found that so hypocritical because you know one would often try and reach out and say well i'm not even calling you for a debate with somebody i would like you to come on and let's just have a conversation and there are many people who would just turn around and say i'm not going to do tv but will write about the fact that tv doesn't call good people on its panels are so you know it's it's not just tv's fault that there is a, but but tv needs to make an effort see i i am not against the panel discussion format i'm not one of those people who's going to say that that format is problematic it's not because i think that te- television is very powerful and if it's used responsibly and it's done the right way then you can really make an impact on what people are talking about in terms of you know the big issues of the day uh you can really steer the conversation i've often given the example of the nirbhaya gang rape uh, as as being one of those where you know when that happened because on prime time television it was the lead story for weeks and every day there was a discussion on it you know it it created a huge debate in the country so i think that television has the power to do that if it's done responsibly and correctly of course it's not being done responsibly by and large by a large section of television of the tv press but those who of us who can do it should do it and we also need to find a greater pool of people but people also have to be willing to come forward and not be so snooty about it you know uh, come forward come on tv and say yes if a channel like ndtv is calling you or maybe one or two others who you know i i would still respect a little bit come come and and, and change the conversation i can understand i mean it must be, it must be really tough and in a way we live in a hypocritical society whether we like to admit it or not that that's that is reality that is reality yeah uh, you you said that uh, you play with your dogs how yes, many dogs I have, do you yes i have two dogs i have two dogs and i'm a huge dog lover and uh, they are just absolutely the best they have come to the ndtv office and they have uh, sort of been a balm to everybody around where where i mean ndtv is a huge dog loving um, organization so we love all animals actually but dogs in particular so um yeah they are they are the best i think and anyone who has a dog will tell you that that's the best way to unwind yeah, i mean i have my merit that you know i have a small story to tell here it's so interesting uh i used to live in delhi those days i used to be with espn star sports and ndtv was just building its studios in archana so one yeah. night uh around i think 12 13 the night we I I went with Dr Roy uh to see you know the work going on 12:30 or 1 o'clock in the night after dinner we went in there and they had two dogs those days one was called logo and one was called graphics i don't know whether you remember graphics yeah so i so, do i do yeah. i miss them very very much yeah so i i i know that ndtv is a dog loving uh, we adopted a, we adopted a dog in ndtv in the parking lot named soundbite so sound, soundbite yeah. how nice is that Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, again I'm just trying to recollect. You mentioned your uh, dad was with PTI for a very long time and uh, so this latest controversy, you know, I mean pre- India's premier news agency there has been of late a little controversy on PTI and things like that. Do you have a view on that? Yeah, I do. I mean, I would suggest that you actually see his interview to uh, to Jyoti Malhotra on uh, in, at the print Shekhar Gupta's uh, portal uh, he he sort of put everything in perspective there but uh, the bottom line that i would say is that it is india's uh, it is an independent news agency it has the government has no role to play as far as pti is concerned it earns money through subscriptions people subscribe to their news so uh, you know prasar bharti or anyone else any newspaper tv channel that takes pti's news pays for it they they are they are their subscribers and uh, to label an organization anti national because uh, they might have 
messed up editorially which which who hasn't uh, on on a certain news story to to me that's completely out of line uh, nobody is in the business of handing out patriotism certificates i'm sorry not even the government so let's not confuse the nation with the government i keep saying that and uh, uh, that that's the bottom line so a story which may have been editorially mishandled doesn't make an organization unpatriotic or seditious or having or, uh, you know let's not throw these words very loosely because there is a problem in this country today where people just okay tumne story galat kari then you should be booked for sedition why do you understand what sedition is you know so let's not confuse these two issues and it's not uh, and, and, and let's not it's not that mistakes have been happening today mistakes have been happening all along you know there used to be a organizations make errors of judgment they don't they 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 make mistakes all the time some have the character and the the courage to apologize for those others do not there are so many so called news organizations out there that are just peddling uh, ideological narratives only or fake news out and out fake news nothing is done about them so let's you know and and this business of handing about uh, handing out nationalism certificates i'm sorry i'm i'm really really tired of that but wo to khair that that is now par for the course i can I see get it, I, every day on twitter i can see your angst and i can feel your pain i mean it's it's so visible and yeah, i can imagine that yeah, yeah. nobody is any less nationalist because they criticize a government policy or any government you know the government is not doing us a favor by being there we elect people we elect members of parliament we elect the prime minister we elect the council of ministers we are the power is with us the people so so criticism uh is 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 not seditious criticism is firstly the sedition law itself shouldn't be there it's been misused by every government whether it's the congress or the the bjp to 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 throw people uh, or to or to label people now so let's not confuse these to conflate these two issues and part of the problem today is that is what is happening so didi you're from kashmir and you've done a lot of work on kashmir right uh and yet i i still remember i think it was the katwa rape case where you went on continuously for a few days on prime time uh and yet you've been trolled and written about and things like that that does it ever bother you not anymore uh, i i mean of course some of it does uh, when when it gets out of hand but uh, i i admit that when i first came on social media i wasn't very comfortable with it and one of the reasons why i left it initially was because i wasn't comfortable with it and even now i'm only on twitter because i didn't uh, there were uh, so many people putting up fake accounts in my name that twitter just said look if you come on you'll get a verified handle and people will stop tweeting stuff in your name which a lot of people would assume with me so that's the only reason i'm back on uh, but uh, i i i don't let it bother me now beyond a point because i have realized that the only thing that matters to me now is what uh, those uh, what my family and what my friends know and and my colleagues know and 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 what i know most and that is most important so you know these low level trolls many of whom are just you know paid to do this job let them let them go ahead and do it it's it's very sad that you know you spend your life on a keyboard spewing hate um obviously you weren't loved as a child and nobody hugged you and you know you have serious issues that you're dealing with as a so called adult i mean i you know i i have a very uh tips for people on twitter you know i have said this before i tweeted it actually saying you know uh, every time you get trolled just go and see the number of followers the troll has and usually you'll find either it's zero or single digit or two digit and just ignore them because otherwise you're amplifying their message you know and that's what i i tell absolutely not not everyone is a zero follower person there are a lot of people also in responsible positions you know yeah. with with a good number of followers or office bearers of a particular party or also who who get into this and uh, i have realized that my tip on on twitter and 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 social media would be just block i used to be polite about it earlier and just mute people now i just block them and it See, gives me peace of mind you you look it's it's not a free speech argument you are free to speak and abuse and do whatever you want i have the freedom to not have to read that nonsense on my timeline so you please vent on yours stay out of my so yeah that's what i was coming to people with responsible positions if they do you can't stop it because it's a democracy and everybody has the right to think but but like you I said you have the it. choice you have the choice to you know say i don't want to listen to you i can switch off yeah 
That's right. So yeah. tell me, uh, I remember there was something I read sometime. You were denied visa to Pakistan for almost five years or something. What was that all about? That was um, back in the 2000s. Uh, I uh, had actually gone to POK, to Pakistan Occupied Kashmir. There were some journalists that were given permission to go. And uh, we spent several days. We traveled uh, to to uh, even to to what Pakistan calls the northern areas, but Gilgit, uh, Muzaffarabad, uh, Chakoti on the line of control, uh, which is all in the Pakistan-occupied Kashmir, uh, to Sialkot, which is near Jammu, and uh, and I we also drove on the Karakoram Highway all the way from Gilgit to Islamabad, which was a about 17-20 hour bus journey. Uh, because the flights weren't operating, there was bad weather, so uh, it it was quite an adventurous trip. And I did a documentary from there, you know, just inside POK because we we got a lot of access at that time. And uh, um, among the people I interviewed on that documentary were a lot of these uh, young men who had crossed from this part of Kashmir uh, across the line of control to that side to train as terrorists. Uh, in training camps there, and many of them were stuck. Now they wanted to come back uh, to uh, to uh, India, and they regretted what they had done. They said that they were enticed by money, by ideology, etc. Uh, but you know, they came forward and anonymously, like with their you know in silhouette, talked about how you know they had been uh, trained in terror training camps in POK. And when I did that documentary, which covered a whole lot of things, including poor education in that part of uh, in, in pok uh, the uh, the kind of brainwashing propaganda that happens there all of that pakistan didn't uh, give me a visa for several years after that and uh, actually i was covering the mea i was meant to travel with pranam mukherjee as for when he was foreign minister he was taking some journalists with him to pakistan on the morning of his visit i was denied a visa and the indian government took it up with the pakistani government which has given in writing that they had a problem with my reporting it was many many years later that i was finally you know allowed to come back i think when uh, nirupama rao was foreign secretary at that time uh, you know um, but uh, for, for for the longest time i i wasn't uh, you know allowed in was that the documentary that won you the asian award it was a runner up at the asian yeah, award was it the I, same I documentary was, that documentary came runner up at the asian tv awards in singapore and i'm really proud of that because that was the year of the tsunami so the tsunami won and that's no surprise it was such a huge humanitarian tragedy but i was also skeptical about whether the documentary would find a space at all uh, in in those awards simply because it was also titled inside pakistan occupied kashmir and often at these international awards they like to take a very neutral position on political issues you know they'll say pakistan administered kashmir or indian administered kashmir and so i was very clear that no mine would go as as pakistan occupied kashmir so it still got mentioned as the runner up in that in that year of the tsunami so for me that was a moment of pride and it was a very difficult assignment uh, so uh, to to emerge from that with a body of work like that 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 really did you know make me very proud so speaking about difficult assignment and making you proud which are the stories that you done which you think are the high points in your life i mean if there are two three documentaries or uh, stories that you covered what would you which ones would they be that you would want well, to be remembered for well i have covered i mean everything about indian politics from 1999 till this year i mean you know non stop but the stories that i really found the most challenging for me personally and the most interesting to cover one would be the india us nuclear deal which for many is the most boring story on earth but for me it was the biggest high because it was a very difficult story to cover raj it was very technical it was very complicated uh, and to simplify that for television news was not easy because and it was a big story it was a huge diplomatic story it was a huge political story later because manmohan singh's government almost fell uh, for that reason Yeah. so you know uh, to cover that story from beginning to end to be there in vienna when the nuclear suppliers group gave india that historic exemption that historic waiver uh, that for me i mean uh, you know just being able to cover that story well for tv was something that i was very proud of and then of course there have been those that have been very physically challenging like the uh, gujarat earthquake of 2001 or, or the earthquake in kashmir in 2005 the london bombings of 2005 i think it was july 7th uh, for which i went back to do a documentary on muslims in britain and how you know they were coping uh, 
so the, these have been some of the more challenging physical assignments also uh, you know that that one has covered over the years but then i think among the assignments that i really have enjoyed of course has been covering elections uh, i think there's nothing even today that compares to covering an indian election whether it's an assembly election but of course general elections are the ultimate high and uh, you know last year i had the honor of being able to do that with pranoy which you know is is a dream come true yeah. and to co-anchor with him and that was that that was something i never imagined you know could could happen and it did so that 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 was fantastic and we anchored like for 12 hours straight 12 13 hours and i don't remember being tired it was such a in the energy in the newsroom every time there has been yeah. an election and i've watched it for years yeah. at a stretch and, and, and nobody does it and that's like what ndtv does it like ndtv and pranoy so i mean it's it's really it's it's a whole different level of of uh, journalism you also won the ramnath goenka award what was that for that was for my work from jnk uh, this was a documentary that i had done from kashmir in 2007 i think it was uh, which uh, well at that time kashmir was very you know different uh, it 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 looked at uh, how things were sort of shaping up in the kashmir valley through the eyes of the youth and um, also it had a whole element on how there was an entire generation that had grown up in kashmir without meeting kashmiri pandits because kashmiri pandits had been forced out of their homes uh, in the early 90s and this was a new generation of youngsters that had grown up here who had not met the kashmiri pandits community didn't really know much about them so i went back to some of the old mohallas uh, i talked to some of the older people uh, you know and 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 their experiences of that um and and the kind of healing that that was needed then and is needed now also just how you know youngsters at that time i went to the colleges here uh in kashmir and how you know youngsters looked at rithik roshan as a role model they looked at john ibrahim i remember one one kid said uh john ibrahim apj abdul kalam you know uh, i i met these youngsters who had appeared for the ias exams and uh, you know in 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 a place uh, which which doesn't always have the best sentiments towards the rest of the country at that time you know it was good to see these youngsters who aspired to be ias toppers who aspired to go out and you know live in mumbai or delhi or hyderabad build their homes and careers there so the documentary really was about that you know the kashmir through the eyes of its youth so there was there was no political voices in it but it it was just you know uh, youngsters the the fm radio had just started at that time so i went to the radio station etc so that's what the ramnath goenka award was for uh, uh do you have a family house in kashmir do you keep going there or something do you have a family house or something there i i do have family here but uh, you know my my parents we we had to sell off our property it had been occupied by terrorists uh when uh, when it was terrorism was at its peak and ultimately we ended we ended up having to sell it uh but we would like to come back uh, my parents certainly would would like to come back as i think would with so many other uh yes. you know kashmiri pandits and and i hope that we are able to do that i mean my my parents are very keen but of late uh, have you been to kashmir in the recent past i have and uh, i do yeah. keep coming and going and uh, it it is my home and and uh, so what's the situation there home? now what's the situation like there now well i you know that's a separate conversation raj you know that will take a, that i can be here for 3 4 hours okay. describing that but you know things are you know well at the moment you know i think in kashmir thing everyone sort of focused on covid and 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 the whole pandemic like the rest of the country uh, there there have been a large number of cases by kashmir standards as well uh, but i i i think that you know it's worrying to see an uptick in terrorist violence uh in in recent months uh, there are encounters happening even in Srinagar city uh in recent weeks which is something one didn't really see for a very long time uh so to that extent that is worrying i think it's extremely unfortunate that the 4g mobile internet has not been restored in in kashmir or in jammu uh since august last year when the special status was revoked and uh, it it's really affected uh people uh, in, in that you know right now education is pretty much online and not everybody has a broadband connection so you know they they re- they rely on their cell phones to be able to do those online classes even the teachers and so 2g connections don't work yeah. so i think that it has been 
you know un- unbelievably cruel and unjustified to to do that uh, uh you know you know to 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 people in jnk and i think that because of that there's a lot of resentment and anger about that you know uh things that affect the daily lives of people in that way that you know why you know and and uh, that the supreme court is also sitting on it which has been extremely unfortunate so like i said at the moment i think everyone's attention is focused on the pandemic uh but things have also been in a political freeze in kashmir now since almost a year and uh, you know democracy was virtually revoked along with the special status with the detentions of people of political leaders former chief ministers uh, so we are the world's largest democracy raj and we must live up to that we are not china we are not saudi arabia you know, some of these trolls on twitter you know who who extol these examples that oh if you had gone to saudi look this is what they would have done to you why why would i go to saudi yaar we are not saudi we pride ourselves on being the world's largest democracy so let's you know let's do that in letter and spirit everywhere including jnk which is a part of india you know let, let's not take away people's rights all rights whether it's political rights the right to the internet the right to communicate this is unprecedented what one has seen nidhi i know it's a different conversation and we can go on speaking about it but i have one question uh, i want to ask you uh being a kashmiri pandit and you mentioned that you would also like to go back and you know you had to sell your house uh, when terrorism uh, came to uh, kashmir uh do you feel the rest of india just doesn't bother about kashmir is that a feeling that I, you have because i i uh, i have i i do and i i i have this feeling and it's not just me i think a lot of other kashmiris if you talk to them feel that the rest of the country looks at kashmir as a, a piece of land uh, as territory so you keep saying kashmir hamara hai but what about its people and by people i mean all people i don't mean just the people of the valley i mean even the people of jammu and earlier ladakh and um, you know kashmiri pandits also what have what has any government done for kashmiri pandits i am saying now irrespective of political uh, affiliation yeah. you are very you right know, all these what what have they really genuinely done for them except platitudes and Successful you know so that's one thing but even Kashmir, you know kashmiri muslims i i think that people just feel the sense that the rest of the country has looked the other way when they have seen you know their own sort of rights being taken away from them and uh, for example i think that by and large if you talk to people in jammu as well i'm not even getting into the debate on article 370 but the the fact that jammu and kashmir was reduced to a union territory is something that has hurt people very very deeply raj whether you are from jammu or from kashmir and this is a feeling across the board no state in this country has ever been made a union territory it's always been the other way around so i think there is a lot of hurt about that that here was this this erstwhile state a princely state which which is now a ut and 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 there there is there is a lot of you know uh, this thing about it and and yes i think kashmiris in, in by and large do feel that the rest of the country only looks at it as as a piece of territory but doesn't really care uh, 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 about what happens until it affects them i mean it's only when people were locked down in their homes because of the pandemic that they began to understand what lockdowns in kashmir have been like and that's not even a fraction of it at least we had the internet in delhi and bombay people didn't have the internet or even phones after 5th august for two months can you imagine when you can't even call your cell phone doesn't work how how what families went through and 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 nobody empathizes with that because in the name of national security we just think that anything goes of course national security is important defeating terrorism is important but please i remind people that the peak of terrorism in this in in this in in jammu and kashmir was in the 90s and when there was no internet and there was no cell phone that was when terrorism was at its worst and we're not thankfully back in that phase so you know we we can't use that as as a reason to deny people their basic right to communicate and and you know fundamental rights and the rest of the country you know uh, you know now people are talking about this uapa the way it's being uh, applied on uh, delhi riots uh, accused Uh, journalists are being uh, you know charged with all kinds of fir's in other parts of the country do you know what kashmiri journalists have gone through in the last one year and and the kind of uh, the kind of charges they face 
for simple reporting. So, you know, now, now the rest of the country gets it. But, uh, you know, Kashmiris are like, where were you when, when we needed the rest of the country to, to listen to our pain? I hope, I hope with this pandemic and lockdown and all people have, at least there's some people have realized what it is and things like that. Switching gears, I think it's been an intense conversation. So I'm just switching gears. You mentioned George Abraham and Rithik Roshan and all. So are you a, are you a Bollywood fan, a Hollywood fan? Are you a Bollywood fan? You know, I'm I'm not really much of a movie buff because I've, I've never really had time, Raj, to, to watch films because it was just... Television is exhausting, so it was always like 8 a.m. to 10. Come home at 10 p.m. After that, I would frankly just watch something on Netflix and pass out. So no, I'm not really a huge Bollywood fan, but I would prefer something more offbeat. I did see Gulabo Sitabo um, on online last week and really enjoyed it. And it's after a really long time that I actually saw a movie. I saw Thappad, uh, you know, for uh, like months after it was actually released and really, really liked the film. Yes. So I've only now begun to sort of rediscover, but it's, you know, I don't have a particular sort of favorite. Um, I'm, I'm not sort of one of those people. But who you like good content. If, you, if the content. if you relate to the content, then you'll watch it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and anything that's offbeat, I, I, I cannot take some of the sort of uh, soapy, you know, over-the-top <laughs> Hindi films. Uh, I, I can't take those. It's nice to sometimes watch the old ones that one grew up watching. Uh, because they were silly, but they were also hugely entertaining, and there there was a feel good factor about them. You know, the speaking about old movies, movies, there was always some messaging in the movie, which is missing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's true. There was there was a messaging, and then you know, it's it's fun. You know, you see some of those eighties songs and the terrible dancing in the background, and you know, good songs yeah. and stuff like that. So I think some of the older stuff is more interesting to watch. So Nidhi, who are your role models? Do you have a role model? Okay, let me let me reframe my question. Let me reframe my huh. question. So your role model, women role models, and uh, political leaders. If there's anybody who's a, who would you say would be your role model? I mean, my I would say generally my parents because they really have they have stood by me through thick and thin, and I've I've really idealized them in so many ways. So definitely my parents. Um, a political leader. I don't know if there's anyone in, in, in particular that I would say is a, is, is a role model. There are a lot of people I admire, uh, but uh, I would say role model would, would be my parents. Okay, fair enough. Uh, in journalism? In journalism, Pranoy, my dad. Um, you know, these, these are some of the people and, and everyone who stood up to the emergency and the example that they set I hope for other journalists for future generations. So, yeah. uh, so them. And uh, are you a feminist? Do you... Yeah, of course. So, I how am. would you define feminism? No, you know the reason I asked role model. I uh, the other day my daughter yeah. just tweeted, and you know I found yeah. it interesting. When she was young, she asked us on her birthday to get her a aeroplane as a cake. And, you okay. know, and that was fine. And we all parents do it. You know, somebody wants a Barbie doll, something. But the other day, I mean, now she's 28 and she tweeted and I was stunned. And she said that when I was growing up, I wanted to be an air hostess because I wanted to okay. travel the world and I wanted to see the world. But it never occurred to me that I could have been a pilot. And that's why it's so important to have role models, you know, and that's why I keep yeah. emphasizing that, you know, when it comes to why gender equality, it's important. Even uh, one of the things I've been uh, trying to push uh, in my own way is not to have manners, you know. Uh, yeah, that's to, great. You know, I, and, and that's something I, I am guilty of. Even as an anchor, I, I didn't sometimes realize it. And I made a conscious effort later when I did that. Often I would just call people irrespective of gender and it, they would end up being four men on a panel and then me. And uh, it was terrible. And it was a big mistake. And I realized that, you know, uh, that was wrong. And when it was pointed out to me a couple of times, and I, I guess part of the reason is because in NDTV, again, as you know, it's a very woman sort of, yeah. you know, centric organization. The, the top editors are women. The primetime anchors are women. There's Radhika, Roy. So, you know, uh, we, we never felt 
uh, that we were different as women we got the same assignments that that the guys did uh, it wasn't that they ever thought about the gender of the person while sending someone for let's say an earthquake story or a typhoon or a or a cyclone or a whatever you know you just you just went and 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 did the story irrespective so i think we've been fortunate and i have been lucky to live in that bubble in ndtv uh, where you know you had that but for me you know feminism is to be able to have choices and to be able to exercise my right to choose how i want to live so if there so therefore if that means that a woman chooses to to stay at home and raise her kids that's great because that's her choice and and everyone else who runs her down for it will shame on you because you know you cannot run down people for the choices that they are willingly uh making you know f- feminism cannot be as you know as a box in in which everyone must fit so so for that's that's what feminism means to to me personally very nice very nice very nice uh you know the other thing i want to ask you is uh, if you have made the prime minister it's hypothetical question if you were the prime minister for a day what is that one thing you would do what could i well i mean is that like does the prime minister have magic powers or yeah you, you can make, you can make that decision obviously that he has magic powers so if that one thing you could do what then, would you do then then that would be to just bring everybody above the poverty line like make just wipe out hunger from india wipe out poverty from india in one stroke if i had magic powers and i could do that in a day as prime minister that that hands down would be the one thing i sound a bit like a beauty contestant page you know one of those beauty pageant contestants <laughs> no 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 i just i just thought i should i it genuinely like and, and i'm seriously saying it raj because i realized in this lockdown and the way the whole migrant issue played out uh you know you you kind of realize even more starkly how lucky all of us are to have the privilege of being able to sit with a roof over our heads and a nice roof to have our laptops you know to you know to be worried about what we're going to watch on netflix whereas for millions and millions of indians it just became a question of where to get their next meal from and i think that this lockdown brought out those disparities so badly so clearly which is why that was the first thing that came into my head if there is one messaging you you know you are a big icon and you got a huge fan following okay and there are a lot of people who i i have met i have met young kids who want to you know they say we want to grow up and become nidhi rasta you know they so you are a role model for many people who are aspiring journalists what is the message you would have for them i would say you know come into the profession if you if if you really genuinely want to make a difference to it um you you can be that force of change as i said earlier and for anybody for whatever you want to do be happy with the career choices that you make don't do something because your parents told you to do it or because your friend has done it uh you should you should have a genuine passion you know for for what you do and 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 to be true to yourself and and my general sort of couple of pieces of advice would be a be kind you never know what the other person is going through in life be kind be nice to people around you and two uh journalists should never become the story and they should never be bigger than the organization and i say that in the context of what you said it's i i feel very flattered and even embarrassed when you know people say you're an icon or or whatever but i don't i don't see myself that way i i would prefer to stay under the under the radar and and the reason is that ultimately what matters is the organization the profession we shouldn't become the story the news you shouldn't become whether for good reasons or bad reasons and when we do then there's something very wrong we need to tell people the story so that they can make up their mind on what they think but we shouldn't become the story so there's like random pieces of advice you know very great out. advice and i'm sure all those people listening today and all those people who want to become nidhi rasdan or aspiring to be journalist i'm sure this there's a i think it's a fabulous message nidhi i have this question which i ask all my guests you know what does because i have also started something in the business of happiness so this is a this is a question i keep asking and uh, and it makes me happy you know and uh, so what does happiness mean to you and how do you define happiness and what are the three things that makes you happy how do i define happiness uh that's such a philosophical question i'm still 
uh, sometimes i joke that i'm i'm still uh, looking for it no no for me honestly i realized that i am happiest uh, when i'm with uh, the people i love my family and my closest friends and i realize i don't need many people for that around me it's it's honestly the there are just probably less than 15 a group of 15 people that actually matter to me and when i'm around them whether it's you know my parents or uh, you know my 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 five year old niece my brother these are the people who matter the most to me and for me that that, that you know that is happiness and what makes me happy my my family um what else makes me happy um your doggos of course of course i mean that goes with my the, the dogs are i they're, they're at another level and um, and a good dessert yeah <laughs> and and a piece of advice again which i'm trying to give myself also is to take it one day at a time and uh, not to overthink things i think that will make all of us much happier yes very true just live in the moment live in the present uh, yeah. nidhi thank you so much you are fabulous right. and i have learned so much from you today and uh, and you know i wish i could go on talking and you are embarking on a new journey uh, going to teach at harvard i mean i can imagine how many how many students will benefit from your experience over the years and harvard couldn't have chosen a better person than you uh, thank you very much and thank wish you all the best in your next phase of life thanks raj take care thanks Thank everybody you so for listening much. and please continue to come back next week i look forward to seeing you with another guest thank you so much see you bye thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed this sochcast what is your soch send us your comments on our facebook page and instagram page it's time for you to do your own sochcast at sochcast apni soch duniya ko sunao sochcast